1: You are listening to Habsent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Habsent Minded and the Canadian North Division preview. With us today, we're, we're lucky to get arguably one of the most interesting sites in the upcoming years, and we got the site manager Nate for uh, Silver Sense, our sister site on the SP Nation network. Thank you for joining us, Nate, over in Toronto. That's trading. right, yeah, in, in uh, <laughs> enemy
0: enemy territory. Yes, yeah, that's right.
1: So, and obviously, when we record this, we've just seen the TSN uh, uh, preview of the North Division, where they have Austin Matthews uh, tackling down Arthur Lecon and two players really on the same level. Like, <laughs> so. so <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Toronto bias of of the uh, <laughs> from Sportsnet TSN and and many other uh, media sites.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually funny. I've been living in Toronto for, you know, 15 years now, and when I first came to Toronto, that was one of my great fears is that I was going to be inundated with Leafs fans all the time. But actually one of the great joys of the timing of coming here was that Toronto immediately was bad. It was right after the lockout. The Leafs were terrible. <laughs> So my first few years of living in Toronto were actually pretty wonderful. The Suns were still pretty good, and the leaves were bad, so it was, it was good.
1: Yeah, well, it seems to be turning at least this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first and foremost, I have to say this, you got an excellent preview on your, your site uh, for more maybe in-depth or, or different takes. Make sure to read it. It's uh, Owen that's written it. It's, it's fantastic. It's three, three or four, four uh, episodes.
0: Yes, yeah, so we've we've got um, we broke it into three parts. Uh, I, I got the first part. I did the writing for the forwards. Uh, Owen uh, did the writing for the defense and the goalies. Um, and then uh, there's a gentleman named Trevor Shackles who did a preview on the coaching and the management. Um, so that's 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 the start of the, the preview format. We're running uh, Q and A's with the other SB Nation sites. Uh, we did one with uh, Matt Drake actually for the Montreal
1: Canadiens one. That's out um, today, and, I
0: think. So yeah, that's it's yeah today, uh,
1: Saturday. So be yeah. be good, guys, to go over there and and read it. Matt is a good guy as well, and I'm sure your questions were spot on.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. So and we've got obviously next week we've got uh, a few more features. Um, just in terms of we do a, like a staff roundtable and do some predictions for the season. So yeah, we're we're less than one week. Until Ottawa Senators hockey, which feels strange to say, but here we are.
1: Yeah, it's the same here. I'm I'm thinking like, and it's some weird scheduling this year because I just realized that, which is good for 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 our group. We're two Swedes, and we're playing a game, and uh, in in I think it's nine p.m. start in Vancouver so it's 5 a.m. for me so I have to go up and get it (laughs) because it's more or less midnight in Montreal obviously Uh, but yeah yeah, this new division alignment is is interesting I think I I, I really enjoy it Uh, but it also going to cause for some some different setups and and scheduling that we're not used to for me it's really going to be interesting with the with the home stance that's going to be three or four games maybe in in a short period of time it will be very very interesting and it will take on I know for they do it a lot here in Sweden back to back games and uh, it takes on a little bit of a playoff mentality and it will shape up pretty evenly I think for for most teams unfortunately you are the number one underdog maybe <laughs> in in this division how do you guys feel about going
0: into it it's, it's actually really interesting. We've been, you know, doing these these season previews with the other nations, uh, the other SB Nation site, pardon me, where um, we've been answering the Q&As, and I've done a couple of those. And obviously this comes up, you know, where do you think you're going to finish in the division? Um, and I, I kind of unfortunately have to agree with the consensus that Ottawa will likely be at the bottom. Um, the thing that I would say, though, is that I actually don't think that has to be a bad thing. Um, from a sense fan perspective, not just from my perspective, but I think the general consensus would be the team, it would be very hard for them to be good this year. Uh, the, pro- the the whole process that they undertook when they traded Carlson, when they traded Stone, when they traded Duchesne, all the big names you heard of, and then probably some lesser names you didn't as much, was to really tear it down to the studs. Like they traded everyone, they, they really went down to nothing. And the payoff for that... Has always been long-term success right and right now we're really only in year kind of three or four of five um, if you think about it as a five-year rebuild which is how it was sold to the fans and they're at a stage that's kind of they're seeing the first signs the first real fruits of the process come out Um, you know obviously Brady Kachuk was uh, a pretty big win for them and now he's coming to in his third year but he's still quite young he's only his third year in the season and he in the league pardon I me and he came uh, we don't remember him right being way. drafted at all you know? <laughs> <laughs> not a not a source of controversy in the slightest <laughs> um and then you know this past draft though is really when they got the, the the top end players they're looking for just who i'm sure we'll talk about uh you know they took sanderson which i think uh you know they see as a big get but also there have been some other prospects that have been drafted in recent years, you know, that are, that are knocking on the door, but that aren't quite there. And so this season, you know, there are still a lot of veterans and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Pierre Dorian spent a lot of time trading for veterans to insulate the kids, but that just kind of puts a cap on where they're going to finish. Like if you look at their defense, it's just, I mean, I, I really, you know, I don't like saying it, but it's, it's just not very good. Um, And their forward group is still pretty thin. So you know, if they finish at the bottom of the league, that wouldn't be surprising to me. But at the same time, if the kids are are a bit better, the ones that that do play, and they're competitive in the games, uh, I think that will be a success. I think I think that's good enough, and I think Sense fans will be happy with that.
1: Yeah, we're here with uh, Nate, from uh, managing editor for for Silver Sevens. You can follow him on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Because I don't have Twitter up.
0: Uh, and it's actually a funny amalgamation of letters and numbers. NKB one two one at NKB one
1: two one. Yeah. Otherwise, for for easy access, just follow Silver Sevens, and you you, you yeah. get all the information you need there. Um, as you say, it might be positive, finishing at the bottom of, of, of the uh, NHL standings this year. And what we're seeing when everyone is predicting the the uh, North Division, the Canada Division, is that five, six teams are going to be pretty close to each other. So it might even make it more difficult or, or easier for you guys to finish at the bottom and, and get a very high draft pick to go with to Chuck, Stuchle, and and Sanderson to, to really form that core uh, that you can build upon for long-term success. Uh, obviously, we're having watched the World Juniors and, and one of the outstanding players of that World Juniors was Tim Stoetsle. And... Um, I followed him for, for a little bit over a year. Um, I know, and, and that was a bit of controversy. I, I mentioned before that uh, we the, the day of the actual possibility of getting him to play in NHL this year had already passed. It's the 15th of July. And um, what happened is that, obviously, Mannheim chose to terminate the contract, so Stutzli could go. And And Mannheim's coach, Pavel Goss, he told me in, in spring that... They don't, NHL teams doesn't trust DEL teams to, to develop talent. And to be fair, after having watched the World Juniors, he would have been an outstanding player in DEHL and it's probably better for him to go to the NHL directly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's an understanding from um, the sense that Stuzla is a special talent, and the their attitude generally towards prospects is to be, to be pretty cautious, except in the case of really special talents. Um, the other thing, and, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, um, is that the team's been, you know, very bad for for a couple of years now. And we are still, you know, sports are still the business of, of entertainment. And I, I, I think it would be a mistake to say that, Stuula's playing in the NHL is also going to be partly influenced by the need to sell the future a little bit, right? He's good enough, but it also looks good on them, and yeah. you know they're they're still conscious of that a little and, bit. And it I sells would, a
1: few jerseys, and you get yeah. some more oh, extra coverage from from yeah. maybe sites and 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 uh, news agencies that you wouldn't get otherwise. You get the publicity. It's it's it's. It's made in. It's not a match made in heaven, but it's a match, and and it it's totally understandable.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, Tim Stutzer will be a fantastic player, and and uh, it's. Uh, I'm just having a problem with you adding an e to his his name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so. It's, it's, it's funny you you say that. I. In the moment he was drafted, this was kind of discussed ad nauseum on, um, you know, some social media and with like how to write his name and all that, and. The reason that we're adding the E is we, we're told that's going to be the nameplate, right? It's, it's not going to have the umlaut. It's going to be the extra E. I would have gone the umlaut. I'm actually team umlaut. I'm just trying to you know, conform we're, with what we're told, right? We, so, either the
1: umlaut or, or just you would have done it for me, like. but, <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. We, we, uh, we get it.
0: I mean, listen, if, if we want to go on tangent, I would very much be in favor of all the the, the appropriate, you know, umlauts, uh, accents for French players. Like, we, like mix it up. Get it out in there. I don't understand. I, I
1: think Lafreniere will have an accent in, in, yeah. in Rangers. So it's not like a league style. It's more like Canadian, North America, uh, U.S. style, it seems.
0: Well, I, I think it's it is it's a little bit of a league style in the sense that it's it's one of those funny hockey traditions where it's like, ooh, the NHL jerseys, they don't, they anglicize the names. But I feel like maybe you break through and, and more, you get more of it, right? I think it would yeah. be fun, personally.
1: Looking to this season without um, well, we're going to get back to Tim Stutchley in a while, but but Matt Murray and Marcus Hergberg seems to be the locks for for the uh, um, for the goalie position. That doesn't really help the defense either, does it?
0: <laughs> well, it, it it depends depends on which version of Matt Murray you're getting, right? Um, I think Hoberg, um, first of all, is in some ways a success story for the Sens for in terms of prospect development. Um, you know, he's been in the system for a long time now. Um, and he last year, you know, kind of got into the NHL, solidified himself as an NHL goalie. I don't think he showed enough to be an NHL starter. If he had, I, maybe they wouldn't have made the trade for Murray in the first place, but he demonstrated that he can be a competent NHL backup, which, I mean, honestly, anytime you draft a goalie, like, I think that's a pretty good outcome. Um, you know, yeah, with, with the number of
1: goalies in the league, it's limited in so many different ways. And also, I think he's going to see action this year, obviously, because of the short schedule, yep. uh, a lot of games back-to-back. It's it's going to be every, every backup goalie is going to see about 20 games, I guess.
0: Absolutely. No, t- t- totally. There's going to be a lot of Marcus Hoberg. I feel pretty good about Marcus Hoberg on the whole. Um, you know, we still have a relatively small sample of work in the NHL, but, you know, there, there was some positive signs there. Yeah. Murray, it's, it's going to be interesting because with goalies, you know, a lot of it is obviously, you know, context dependent. Um, There's some ways you can try to suss that out. You know, there's some, you know, uh, team and independent stats that you can look at. Um, But there's just no getting around the fact that Murray has not been good the last couple of seasons. And that's why he was available. Like, you know, Pittsburgh wasn't trying to trade a, an elite goalie. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. Um, I, I understand why Ottawa took the chance that they did. Um, you know, if if Matt Murray is the Matt Murray from 2017, which Sens fans remember, you know, very well. He was a big part of, of that conference final win yeah. for Pittsburgh. Um, then, you know, the assets they gave up and the contract they gave him will be worthwhile. Um If he's the Matt Murray of last season, though, woof, you know that 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 contract can look real bad real fast.
1: On the other hand, Pittsburgh's defense last year wasn't really up to scratch either, so
0: it carries a little bit
1: of of weight as well. Uh, But it's an interesting combo, and obviously he has the NHL experience, so Mm -hmm. he will be able to help Hergberg mature maybe into that goalie that that Sens fans and and the Sens organization hopes for down the line uh, mm-hmm. it always have it's always good to have someone with that kind of experience with the playoff experience ex- especially to, to get that player to, to sort of mentorship as well and a healthy uh, not debate but a challenge for both goalkeepers that is open-ended and not really going in like you are number one you are number two and, and...
0: yeah I, I mean I, I think I think Murray's number one for sure right now that's the presumption at the start of mm-hmm. the year but to your point you know because of the back-to-back work's going to have to play, it's not a situation where, you know, Murray's going to play 50 of the 56 games, right? It's going to be, you know, you're right. They're going to have to be working in tandem. And, yeah, I I, I I, do think there's something to be said for having a veteran who's had success like Murray and who, but is still, you know, young enough to contribute. Uh, yeah, I think there's some real value there for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, looking at the defense, it's a mixed... Uh, Sort of set up there. Yep. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was surprised with with Branstrom that he hasn't taken that step. Maybe that we in Sweden expected him to.
0: Yeah, it's so Branstrom's actually one of the most interesting. Um, I mean, prospects. I, I guess he's still a prospect. He's, he's one of the most interesting kind of pieces of the Sense organization, uh, particularly for this season. So one of the things Ottawa went and did in the off-season is they, they acquired a number of, of veterans, uh, both forwards and defense, to kind of help, quote-unquote, insulate the kids. And on defense, what that looks like is Eric Branson, uh, Braden Colburn, um Josh Brown. So that's three people that played NHL minutes that you would expect to probably play NHL minutes uh, next season that weren't with the team last year. And so some of the spots that we figured would open up for guys like Branstrom, are they even really there anymore? Um, and I think that speaks to two things. One is that the, the Sens kind of mentality when it comes to defensemen just generally is that they, as an organization, seem to put a lot of priority on having one kind of physical stay-at-home style defenseman per pairing. They've been very hesitant to have two kind of skill puck moving guys on a pairing at the same time. And so in the Sense case, what that means is you've got, you know, Thomas Chabot, who's locked in at the top spot, obviously. Um, and then Eric Wood Branson, who likely is going to be, who is going to start the year as his, his partner and likely going to play a lot of minutes on, on the right side. And then after that, you've got a whole bunch of guys who are kind of competing for the next two spots. And, it seems likely that, you know, they wouldn't be willing to put Christian Willanen, who's another youngish defenseman, in the kind of skilled puck moving mold with Branstrom. And so instead of having the two of them possibly being your third pairing or maybe your second pairing, they're in competition with each other for minutes. And that's kind of been the story of Branstrom's time in Ottawa so far, is the team seems a little bit reluctant to you know, let him play with another skill guy. And at the same time, and I don't know how, how familiar you are with, with him in this regard, but he's a left shot who is often played on his off wing, on his, on his right side. And he's been quoted as saying that he likes to do that. And he's been quoted as saying that that's something he would be open to. But the management has kind of refuted that. They haven't really been super keen about that. They, they seem, at least under DJ Smith, seem to be very attached to the idea of left shot, play left D right shot, play right D. And so that, that makes it a bit of a squeeze for Branstrom. I, he hasn't participated in training camp yet. Um, because I think of a quarantine issue. Yeah. Um, but the expectation is that he's going to be kind of in a fight for one of those last two spots on the left side. Um, I think there's a, there's a chance because he's, he's been very impressive in the HL. Um, we should we should be clear. Um, it's it, it, the issue he's had is when he's gotten to the NHL, he hasn't kind of been overwhelmingly good. Like he's had some he's had some good moments. He does some good things, but he hasn't been so good that he's kind of forced the team to to play him. And with how many bodies they have him on the back end now, he's he's going to kind of have to do that. Like he's going to have to come to camp for a very brief period of time and just. Look a lot better than, than everyone else. And, and you know, we'll see if that happens.
1: Yeah, because he was really one of the main pieces in that Mark Stone trade.
0: He was, yeah, he was the, <laughs> <laughs> the piece. In it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, yeah, the, I mean, the Mark Stone trade. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave
1: that the... for a while, but it just points <laughs> to where you would yeah, expect yeah. him to be. I think maybe the problem was that he was in, in AHL already for Vegas at the time of the trade, right? Hmm. And, yeah, and, and he... And he, they couldn't maybe leave him in Sweden for another year or something like that. It was not their choice anymore. It was just like, we're getting him, we're, we're taking him and and sorting him into the system in many ways.
0: Yeah, I, Brandstrom just, just from my kind of viewings of him, um, I like a lot about his game. Um, he's he's really good puck mover. He's very aware um, of the types of kind of insist, like attacking passes that you can make that not a lot of even NHL defensemen make regularly, right? He doesn't just like kind of make a play to get rid of the puck. He makes, uh, why would I would describe as positive plays, a lot, even at the NHL level, which is which is very good. The one thing I would say in watching him at the NHL versus the AHL level, and I don't, I don't watch a ton of AHL hockey, but in the AHL hockey I've seen, it's the extra little bit of space that he has in the AHL allows him to do things that he can't do in the NHL and it's and it seems like sometimes he just doesn't quite he hasn't quite processed that do you know what I mean and it's it's that really tricky part for prospects transitioning between the HL and the NHL level. Yeah. Um, I think he's gonna get it but it's like it's he's just like not quite there
1: yeah um which of the other players here sitesev Brown Riley uh Corburn Wolanin. Is that how you pronounce it? Willanin?
0: Willanin, yeah. Willanin. Christian Willanin.
1: Uh Jaros yeah. and, and Zuba, are, are we going to expect to be on that defensive line on, no. on the opening of the night?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Uh, as I said, Chabot and Goodbranson are the locks uh, at the top. goodbranson has got an A, and, you know, Chabot's the all-star. So, yeah. obviously, those two are going to play. Um, Zaitsev's going to play. Uh, I think there's, there's no way around it. He's getting paid four and a half million dollars um, Smith trusted him with a lot of minutes last year. You can argue about whether that was a good idea or not, but he did. So Zaitsev is going to play. Uh, he spent most of camp with Riley, the former Hubs player. Yeah, uh, and they had like yeah, decent enough results last year. They kind of feel like you know the veteran pairing that uh, that that Smith is going to go to in the second spot. That seems right now like like the two that are most likely. And then the pairings, I think after that, that the pairing that I think is the, the the best chance of success on the third pair and I think is probably going to start this way is uh, probably Will Lannan and Brown. Um, they're, I think, a natural synergy there. Uh, they fit with what the Sens like to do. Will Lannan's the skilled puck-moving guy. Uh, Brown's the kind of defensive bruiser a little bit. But he's a good skater. He had he had a decent season in Florida. Um, Coburn and and Zub. Um I I Coburn's a little bit on the older side. I think he's there kind of as a, men, a mentor presence more than as a player, a regular player. Uh, and Zub, I, I mean, we haven't seen him play NHL games yet, but there hasn't been any reporting out of camp that he's been dominating. And to be honest with you, you know, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical of, you know, a guy just coming over from the KHL. Who kind of had a breakout season out of nowhere, and then immediately being an impact player in the NHL? That would be a little bit surprising. So I think those are the six that are probably going to start.
1: Moving to one player that actually had a breakout season directly after NHL, uh, his KHL career, Dadoňov. Uh, it's going to be interesting for fans and and for for uh, anyone that follows the and and watches the the sense game to see Dadoňov because he is an amazing player and he's been more or less a point per game player his whole career. Is he going to be that? guy that that benefits from the Chucks play?
0: Yeah, that's it's you you hit the nail on the head if they're the only they're the one thing you know that's known for the Sens is Chebo is going to play with Goodbranson and the other thing that's known is Kachuk is going to play with Adonov. That is that's kind of the accepted wisdom here um, and what they've been doing in training camp so far is rotating the centers through that through that line. Um, I mean, one of the most confusing trades I think that that Dorian made in the offseason for a large segment of Sens fans was the trade to get Stepan because um, that kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I think at least to start the season, Stepan is is going to be the center between those two. Um, I really was – the Dadunov signing was so um, unexpected and so positive. I just remember everyone on Sens social media, everyone on our website – you know, email thread is just kind of blown off our seats. Like, oh, my God, we signed Adonov? Really? Uh, and it's a good contract. I mean, it just is like an unabashedly positive thing. Um, he's going to work really well with Kachuk. Uh, Kachuk is, I mean, it is that you guys have seen him lots of times as, as Habs fans. He's an all-world puck retriever. Um, he kind of is a funny skater, but he's got deceptively good skills. He'll get the puck to Adonov. And then um, anything happens yeah, exactly. No, they're they're going to be a great, great um, puck retrieval and cycle team. I have no doubt about that. And, and it's also good it's...
1: For, for the power play, obviously, to have such a guy with those skills that Dano possesses, both
0: both passing-wise and shot-wise. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's it's going to be great. I think, you know, long-term for the team, the vision is to slot one of, hopefully, Logan Brown or Josh Norris in with those two Um in in so far in camp, there hasn't been an indication that you know one of them has like really you know grabbed the bull by the horns there. But that the that's the long term hope. You know, Stepan I think is likely to spend the majority of the minutes with them because they they traded for him. But you know he's really just a placeholder um, for the long term.
1: Coming up off a of very strong World Juniors, he made a case for 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 maybe even the MVP. Could Stutzler reach that position on the first line already this year?
0: I don't think so because I think, in, at least from what they're saying, is is very committed to keeping him on the wing uh, to start the season, and Kachuk's the first line left wing. Um, it would take a lot to to unseat him, to be to be honest with you. And that that's not because I'm not high on Stusla, Like I am super high on Stusla. I think he's going to be great long term. I think even you know to me there's no reason why he can't be the maybe even the the one seed. Going forward, um, but the team has been very clear that he's he's playing on the wing to, to start the season. There's a whole lot of centermen as well, uh, and part of that I think is because they see playing Struza on the wing and they want to give him you know someone competent to play on the second line. Um, so not not to start this year, but going forward definitely it's yeah. possible
1: because. We know one player that never played a center shift in his whole career, more or less, at least not in his professional career. Until he came to Vancouver, was Elias Patterson, and you can't really fault him for for taking up that spot quite fast.
0: No, exactly, and I mean, I you know, I I, I think that with a player with Stjussla's you know hockey IQ, he's going to be good no matter where he plays. Um, part of it is going to be you know where, where does he fit in the overall organization picture? Yeah. I think for now. Um, starting him on the second line, um, as a winger is to me, like that's a perfectly good way to start his NHL so, career. So
1: Alex Galchenyuk as a center next to Tim Stutzler. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it. It was just there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I hear you. Uh, no, I think Galchenyuk slot in on the third line. I think he's probably playing the third line left wing. Um, if I had to guess. I mean, all, everything is well, very You don't
1: in. have the Galchenyuk center position debate over there?
0: I think it's kind of it got resolved almost before he got here, right? Oh yeah, uh, maybe because he, when he was in you know in Arizona and then uh, Pittsburgh and Minnesota and all that, I think you know eventually those teams kind of said you know he's a winger. And uh, Ottawa has so many centers; uh, he's not even in the discussion as far as I can tell. Nah, it was more the the running joke out of Montreal. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a mismatch when you look at that. If, if we say a mismatch with with the defense, it's a little bit of a mismatch with the with the uh, forward group as well. It is really a project under development.
0: Absolutely, there are going to be a few real bright spots. Like obviously, Stužla, you know, Kachuk, Dadanov are you know the makings of a very good team. That's like the start of a good forward group. Um, then you're going to have a lot of the kind of veterans in there that you would expect. Um, on a not-so-good team, to be honest with you, right? Like, you know, Artem Anisimov is likely to play a big role. Cedric Paquette is going to play a role. Austin Watson is going to play a role. And, you know, they're the kind of guys where it's like, if you have one of those guys in your top 12 on your forward group, I think that's fine. Good teams have guys like that. But the Sens are looking at, like, four or five of those guys in your 12, and that's going to make it hard to be good. Um, I think the big hope for Sens fans is that, if we're talking about, you know, prospects, uh, Drake Batherson, who absolutely has torched the AHL the last couple of years, um, and kind of went from being like, a, oh, that's an interesting pick to, wow, he's a really, really good prospect. Um, if there was one guy that I would have to bet, you know, making, on making the team and making an impact, um, as, you know, still a, a youngish prospect would be, would be Drake Batherson. Um, he's a right shot, really skilled, um, in his time in the NHL last season, I think the thing he showed was he's got the skill to play at the NHL level. Um, his his work on the power play in particular was was very impressive, um, but, you know, struggled a little bit five on five. I think towards the end of his time last year, that was starting to reverse itself a little bit. And I think he's starting to figure it out. So I would, if if I had to, you know, bet on someone that's going to, Make the team and maybe make a bigger impact. I would I would say Batelson is, is one of those guys, and he's definitely one of the guys they're counting on for the future too.
1: Again, we're here with Nate from Silver Sevens. Uh, moving on to the um, to the GM and the coach, you mentioned um, DJ Smith uh, to a few times already. He seems to to be a player's coach. He seems to be having fermenting a a, a a way of making. Players understand that they are accountable for their decisions, but maybe not by benching. Yeah, them.
0: I, I think that's that's a, a a really good description of DJ Smith is that he's a players coach and he is a players coach while still believing in accountability. Um, you know, there was only there's only been kind of one season of you know him as a head coach, so it's a little bit hard to get a feel on his overall you know competencies and strengths and weaknesses. Um, particularly since the roster is so bad, right? You know, you can't can't expect them to do more than they did last year with the talent level. Like, the coaching can do a lot for you, but it can only take you so far. But he definitely uh, has a, I think at this point, well-earned reputation for being someone who uh, is able to form good relationships with his players. Um, Everyone raves about him. And, I mean, I know that kind of happens in sports all the time, but this this really does seem sincere. Um, He you know, has a good rapport with the veterans and with the young players, which I which I think is important. And even though the team wasn't meaningfully better by their, like, record and by their goals for and against last year, a lot of the stuff that they were doing from a systems perspective was improved from the prior year. The structure they played with was much better. Um, and, you know, we didn't hear about some of the issues that have that have kind of popped up in in prior years with with Smith at the helm.
1: Does he rely on on analytics or advanced stats or the modern coaching methods that that seems to spire up everywhere um, yeah. in around the leagues in in all of yeah. The it, world. It's a
0: good question. The I think it's pretty well known that the Sens have a pretty you know bare bones operation in terms of. You know not not just the uh, um, the players' salaries, but the overall kind of budget for the the facilities and the, the staffing and all that. So they don't have a robust analytics department, um, certainly not in the way that you know like the, the hurricanes or you know Vegas or in Seattle do for instance. So there's only so much that's going to him. I, I think from what I can glean, um, from what I've read and from you know the people I've talked to, he's open to some stuff. I wouldn't say it's a big part of his game plan, um, but I don't think he's living in like in the stone ages, right? Like he's not saying, I like he knows what expected goals are. You know, he's like there are there, there's stuff yeah. that he he's aware of, and I'm you know I'm sure he puts some some weight on. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that the sensor are like an analytics forward team. They're just you know kind of doing a bit. Is
1: is he the guy that? can bring the sense towards the future? I mean,
0: obviously towards the future, but can it bring them into That's the a really good question. I think that question, it's going to be tough even to answer that question this year, though, because I still think, as we said, as I said earlier, last year, I think he did everything almost that he could. But, you know, until he's got a good team, we don't know how he's going to react kind of strategically. Uh, we don't know much about the choices that he's going to make um, for lineup optimization, because those are different, right? It's a different set of choices when you're uh, competing to win meaningfully versus when you're kind of trying to develop players that instill good habits. Those are those are different choices. So he's done the first part well. Um, I would say, you know, I'd give him a good, a good grade on that. I think the jury is still out a little bit as to whether, you know, He's the guy that you want coaching the team that's contending for the conference championship. Um, but so far, I haven't seen any reason to believe he shouldn't be given a shot, right? Um, I, I, what I would hope is that uh, the management, and I mean, and here I'm also talking about ownership, is patient uh, if they don't have a good season this year in terms of wins and losses. One of the kind of things I think that Sens fans have gotten a little bit worried about recently is Eugene Melnick uh, has given some interviews in which he's kind of said, you know, the last few years are unacceptable. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're going to start winning games. We've got the players to start winning games. And you know, I'm all for the owner saying, you know, positive things and you know, being a cheerleader. Like that's that's actually totally fine by me. But it it really, I hope that they understand that there's based on the players that they've acquired, they're still not going to be good this year. And you know, doing something like you know getting rid of DJ Smith if they you know don't win half their games would would be a mistake in my mind. so I, I hope there's patience there
1: indeed and and uh, also we have uh, Pierre Dorian, uh, he's been good at getting assets back from from big trades, and let's be honest, everyone thought he lost the the Eric Carlson trade by miles, but the jury is still out on that. yeah, one. so it's
0: interesting you say that I think the the Carlson trade to me. Um, is one of the most. I mean, it's it's the pivotal trade in sense history, right? Um, there have been other you know players that have left and other things that have happened. But, um, the only other trade that probably comes close was the Yashin trade when they they acquired Spezza and Chara, uh, which is still the, in my opinion the greatest home run trade in, in sense history. That was just an outrageously successful trade. Um, yeah, the Carlson trade is really interesting because at the time it was made, I was not a fan. I mean, I don't think anyone was a fan, basically. Um, but
1: no, it was it, a highway <laughs> robbery. Like, the, the, the nicest thing anyone called it was a highway <laughs> robbery, I think. <laughs> but there,
0: there are two things that happened that, I mean, I think one is a credit to the Sens and one was totally beyond their control and they got really lucky. But the one thing that happened that I think is probably to their credit and says good things about their, their um, scouting staff is Josh Norris. Has turned out to be a lot more than just like a you know a C or a B level prospect. He was really good in the AHL last year. He looks like he could be a legitimate top, you know six center. That was not the consensus at the time they made the trade. So clearly their scouting staff had identified him as someone who was maybe undervalued by the Sharks organization. And you know full kudos to to Dorian and his staff for that. Uh, the second part, which yeah. was like totally luck, is the is the the, the Sharks falling off the map like. There was just, you know, there were reasons to believe maybe they would be a little bit worse. There was no reason to believe they would get the third overall pick out of that, right? So, um, uh,
1: and also obviously that what has seemed is that Eric Carlson hasn't really healed up from that injury that he got in that long playoff run with 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 the Sens, <laughs> uh, where he were one goal from the from the final really. Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: I mean, listen, they.
1: I mean, and he was dominant there, and that's what everyone remembered. And and he single-handedly brought the sense to that position more or less. And and for him to fall off a cliff as well, even if it's not maybe as deep as the cliff that that, that the sharks fell off, it's still not something you could foresee, at least not from
0: from where we. see. No, certainly, and I mean, if, and this is the other thing: is the first year that he was there, even though he was clearly still battling injuries. I mean, they went to the conference finals and they were good. That Sharks team was was legitimately very good. And when he was healthy and on the ice, that Sharks team was really good. And so, you know, if you told me the next year um, they were going to lose a, maybe one or two guys and their depth was going to get a bit worse and maybe they were going to slide a little bit, I think that was totally predictable. But for, like, everyone to get hurt and just every it just went totally, it was for the as a sense fan I'm extremely grateful because now we have Tim Schuessler uh, but it was <laughs> it was not exactly predictable that was that was not foreseeable
1: now and, and you caught a lot of flack as well for trading and for keeping your own pick yep. as well oh that was yeah uh, so so there was you know there, there's been history with this pick but but Dorian has really really proved himself here. yeah it
0: there have been there there are some things about you know here, Dorian, as a general manager, that, you know, I, I'm not um, as big fan of. I think the the trades that he makes um, for, for veteran players have almost never turned out well, in my opinion. It was, it was funny earlier, you know, you said he did well getting assets for players he traded. I think that's true. He's, he's generally done, you know, the, the stone trade, um, maybe not so great, but Otherwise, he has done, I think, a very good job, generally speaking, of the teardown part of, of the rebuild. Like, he's maximized value for a lot of the players that he's traded. The, the Duchesne and DeSingle trades were, were, were excellent work on his part, too. I think, you know, where he's a little more mixed record is, you know, trading for veterans. Like, I think the, you know, the trade for Alex Burrows is like, was was just so bad. It was bad the moment he did it. <laughs> Uh, the extension was so bad. And, you know, this this thing he's doing now, like, I really, you know, I did not enjoy the the trade for Goodbranson. I did not enjoy no. the trade for Stepan. And this is the kind of thing that he's been known to do. Like, you know, he, he he likes having his veteran guys in there, and, like, that's fine, whatever. But he does tend to pay, in my opinion, too high of a price for them. So the tricky part from a management perspective is as they transition out of the, like, pure rebuild trade for asset phase into the now the team's trying to be good again phase is, you know, can he bring in the appropriate pieces around Shuzla, around Kachuk, around Shabu, and is he able to kind of judiciously use the assets that are available to them to get positive impact veterans? I'm not opposed to trading some of the kids if it means bringing in, you know, real good veterans. That's not an issue to me. But I, I think it would be a mistake to keep going down the road of these kind of like, you know, yeah, the Burroughs and the Stephans of the world. So we'll see. I, I, I think in some ways Dorian has done very well, in some ways he's, he's struggled a bit.
1: Um, he can only work with as much as he's given. And, and that is this constant, really, with Melchneck in, in, in Ottawa. What can Dorian and, and DJ Smith actually work with? When everything is going bonkers on the side, more yeah, or.
0: that's that's. I mean, you know, when, when anytime you talk about Ottawa Senators hockey it, in any kind of detail, it's hard not to mention Melnick. I think that um, there's always going to be a little bit of a limitation there in terms of what they can do. Um, right now, I mean, I, I'm sure you're you're somewhat aware that the way that the Sens are, are managing. The, send, the salary cap is to have a bunch of deals where the real money has already been paid out by other teams. Um, and so they're not on the hook for as much real dollars as, as they would be. So, you know, we've got a cap of, um, you know, $80 million and the sends are not going to get anywhere near that. In fact, their like real dollar expenditure is something like 57 or $58 million. Um, so yeah, that's
1: and the floor is really like 63 yeah. Oh, yeah. or they, something like
0: that. <laughs> they're very sneaky. They got under that. Um, and I mean, if you want to give Dorian credit for that, he certainly got creative in those ways. Um, that's all, look, at the, the limitation's always going to be there as long as Melnick is the owner. Um, you know, he's he just doesn't have the deep pockets that the other owners do. Um, I, I This is the, one of the things about Melnick, I think, that gets confused a lot is um, I don't think Melnick's like a miserly guy who doesn't want to win. I think if he had the money, he would spend it on the team. Like I, you know, for whatever else you want to say about him, and there's lots to say about him, I think if he had excess funds, he would spend it on making the sense good. I don't doubt that. I just think he doesn't have the money. And, you know, that's going to be a reality until he either sells the team or there's some major shift in the financial situation, which is obviously, you know, the downtown arena. Who knows what's going on there? To be honest with you, and obviously, given the rest of the world situation, all that's kind of on the back burner. Yeah. Um. But it's a limitation. There's there's no there's no way around it. It's a limitation.
1: Indeed. Um, as you say, Nate, uh, I'm gonna put you a little bit on the spot here. Uh, we've done the sense talk. What about the Canadian division in general? Yeah. What
0: do I foresee? I, I, I mean, I yeah. really I I hate to say it, but I really think Toronto is going to be the class of the division. Um. I, you know, listen, I have no love lost for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they're, they're. And that makes us a friend of, uh, makes you a friend of (laughs) us. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, Yeah, their forward group is just so good. Um, They've done a little, they've done enough to to patch up the defense. I don't think that they're going to be like an elite team or anything. Like, I don't think they're a top, you know, five team in the league, but I think they're probably the best in the division. Um, And.
1: Can they win a playoff round this year? God,
0: I mean, if they don't, <laughs> it's gonna be. <laughs> I mean, living in Toronto, I might enjoy it very deeply. Uh, I would, I would think so. Um, but as you said, after I, I think there are a lot of teams that are very tightly grouped together because after you know Toronto, you know, you could make to me anyways a convincing case for any of uh, Montreal, um, Vancouver, Edmonton. Calgary, Winnipeg as being anywhere from 2 to 6 like you you I you know none of it would almost in a way be surprising to me. Each team has its strength. It, yeah, comes, down,
1: it comes down to injuries and it comes down to a little bit of puck luck yep. maybe and and that's the, how tight the division is when it comes to to maybe the
0: the, the mid five Yeah, teams. I tot- I know I actually I totally agree. I, th- I feel like all are um, with their strengths but all are definitely flawed. Like there's no team not even the Leafs every team in the Canadian division I think is has its issues you know the the clear other best teams in the league are, are not in the division in my opinion um, so you know I think Toronto is probably the most likely to get one and then two, two through six, I could I could believe anything um, I guess the one positive thing I will say about Ottawa you know I I guess in overall been somewhat pessimistic about their odds for this season but they do have a lot of young guys And if for whatever reason there are injuries or COVID, heaven forbid, or, you know, the Sens do end up trading some of these vets in the division and the kids play a bigger role, there's a lot of variability for Ottawa. That's the one thing I will say about them. I I think in all likelihood they're still going to be at the bottom, but if, if the kids come in and play well, there is a possibility for them to be surprising as well.
1: The question is, do you want to be surprising <laughs> this year when you have that shot of, of, of in the draft? You mentioned it, and, and we haven't really discussed it, but it seems like you would be only available to trade, or, or it makes more sense to only trade within the, the division. Come trade deadline, is there assets that you could foresee the sense giving up? I, I would assume that Donov would be one of those guys that you know, could bring in a, a little bit of a fortune when it comes to prospects. And it's practice. really
0: interesting. I I actually would be surprised if they were if they moved Adonov. I think they... Based on the contract they signed him to, I think they see him as being a contributor to their team next year when they, they, they envision themselves fighting for the playoffs. So I, I would be surprised if Adonov is someone they're looking to move. Um, there are some other free agents they have that I think they would be more interested in moving. Um, you know, Galchenyuk's not going to bring in a fortune, but I think part of the idea of signing someone like Galchenyuk is he comes in, if he has a decent start to the season, you know, you move him for a third or a fourth. Um, I mean, the same kind of thing with Good Branson. Uh, he's, on, he's on the last year of his deal. Um, you know, veteran solid defensemen have been, you know, moved at the deadline as long as the NHL has existed. Uh, so I think he's a good. Can benefit yeah. the taxes. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, there's a couple other forwards who I think they would be very, you know, willing to move on from. Like Chris Tierney, I think is someone who you know, it can be a useful NHLer, uh, and they'd be they'd be willing to move on from. I don't think. I mean, to your point, they're going to be sellers. They're not going to be buyers um, unless something really weird. For, for whatever sellers this what? year.
1: As is something <laughs> up in the air yeah, still. Exactly. We don't know. We don't. We we're. we're Purely speculating here, but but that's what yeah, we do exactly. best. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> Uninformed speculation. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: we're gonna round this off. Thank you again, Nate, for for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we wish you all the best for the season. And and I know it's a struggle when you're down at the bottom, but but um, you know, after the 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 dark, there's always something light on the horizon, as they say in Liverpool. Um, we we. Uh, for anyone that's interested, go over to the Sense website. The Silver Sevens are, are a good source for for information and analytics. Um, make sure to follow Nate and the Silver Sevens on on Twitter. Again, thank you, Nate. It's it's been a
0: pleasure. Thank you very much. To. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you as well. You've got uh, interesting things to hope for as a Habs fan this year. Absolutely. <laughs> thank, thank you. It.